This episode of the Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. programs and welcome back to another episode of the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and i'm derek diamond and derek we have a guest this evening someone who has been a champion of the podcast on twitter for the last uh i want to say like a year or so um, yeah, I think like I've been listening to you guys for a little, little while, a couple of years, a year now or so. I think yeah, uh, probably is, uh, a good 30 episodes or so. This is Mr. Uh, Nate, what was your last name? Uh, Supply. Supply, that's how you say it. Nate Supply. He is at RetroGamingDev on Twitter, so say hi, Nate. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me on the show. This is really exciting. I'm As, as I've said, I'm a huge fan, so it's an honor to be on with you guys. So I've been wanting to get you on the show for a while, and uh, I figured no better show to have you on than for probably the absolutely hardest Nintendo Entertainment System game that there is. You were telling me about it. I played uh, uh, last two nights on stream, and it kicked my butt. So Yeah, that's why I didn't stream it, because I didn't want to be extremely embarrassed <laughs> online. <laughs> It was very oh, embarrassing. Yeah. So tell us, uh, tell everybody a little bit about what you do, your your uh, your Twitch channel, and all that good stuff, and where they can find you yeah. on the internet. So um, you know, you can find me on Twitch. I, I like to stream retro games. I'm 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 really into retro gaming, hence the tag retro gaming dev. I'm also a web developer on the on the daytime job. So, but you can find me on Twitch. Um, my handle is retro gaming dev there, as well as on Twitter uh, at retro gaming dev. And uh, also on YouTube. So um, I like to do a little bit of streaming of retro games. Um, and then I also like to try to put together a little bit more elaborate videos for YouTube. Um, but I'm just kind of getting going on that. So. Which I'm very jealous of because uh, all of a sudden <laughs> it's like his. <laughs> we were kind of neck and neck there for a while on our, our, uh, our gaming streams. And then all of a sudden he's like, he's throwing in like, you know, overdubs and like <laughs> throwing in video. <laughs> yeah, and I'm yeah. like, what are you doing? <laughs> for a while i was just uh exporting my streams over there and then i i realized i had a adobe premiere and i started tinkering with that and uh, <laughs> things have just been going downhill from there so <laughs> yeah I, you're gonna have to make me step my game up and i just i don't have the time nate i don't have the time <laughs> i understand <laughs> so what about you derek how was your week i i know uh we got a, your next episode uh, the next we're actually recording two episodes tonight so uh, Nate's going to be here for the uh, with us for the first one to do Battle Toads for the NES, and then the next episode we're going to be doing Battle Toads and Double Dragon, which whoo, I had quite a time with that game yesterday. Yeah, I, I don't want to set the expectation too high, but I think <laughs> this might be one of my best reviews I do. I hope so, and I will just leave it at that because <laughs> if, if that text that I sent you earlier is any inclination. It was it was quite the experience, and it's funny because I went this past week to a, a local retro gaming store we have here in town called the Video Game Trading Post, mm -hmm. and I had mentioned that I had never played a Battletoads game before, and there's like four or five people that are working, and they all go, ooh, <laughs> oh. And they say, that game is going to test your patience, and they were not lying, but I, I, will, I will save that for the next show. But no, other than that, you know, Staying busy with work, uh, trying to to get my short film off the ground. I've uh, been making some good traction with that, and of course, you know, doing the the whole podcast thing. So, yes. Other than that, relatively relatively uneventful week, I think. Uh, we got a couple of viewers in the in the on the Twitch stream right now, and uh, Retro Game Brew says hello, Nate. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
um, yeah, I just I've been following him for a while now too. Um, I gotta I gotta get on board with their podcast. I still haven't listened to it yet. I have so many podcasts in my queue. It it's crazy. I gotta slim something down. Same here. But uh, but uh, other as my week goes, I mean, it's been a pretty normal week for me. Um, you know, I I texted Derek last night. I was like, yeah, I can't even get past the first boss on um, Battle Toads and Double Dragon, so good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Derek was like, oh, this bodes well. I was like, yeah, yeah, wait till you play it. <laughs> um, and I responded with a couple of expletives yeah that I, I won't repeat on this show but <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's been i mean it's been a pretty regular week for me it's been really hot and um i don't like it and i want to move to a better climate I, I hate it i don't know how it is over there in pensacola for you derek but it's like oh satan's butthole over here right now <laughs> well if it's satan's butthole in biloxi it's satan's taint over here in pensacola oh. so look i'm the, i i I'm sitting in my oh, office ahead. right now with the air conditioner on 70 and I'm still sweating. Like you see me like wiping my face because it's like 800 degrees in here. I will tell one funny story before we move on to the news. So um, my garage door is currently non-functional. So I went outside to figure out why it was non-functional. Mm-hmm. It's, this is at like five o'clock in the evening. It's still blistering hot outside. Yeah. And, and I figure out that there the there's this coil that's on either side there's one on each side of the garage door and the mm-hmm. one on the right became undone so as i'm trying to roll it back up my head hits the top of the garage door and this wave of dirt just hits oh. me right in the face so i'm i'm covered in dirt i'm pouring sweat so i'm like <laughs> screw this so I took like a half hour long hot bath before I, we did this podcast. Yeah, so I took a cold shower before the podcast. Uh, it was I made sure the water temperature was just above freezing, so I could lower my body temperature a little bit. <laughs> nice. But uh, on that note, let's go ahead and move into the news. Coming to us from Variety.com, Nintendo Switch piracy can get you banned fast, says Prominent Hacker. A prominent hacker is warning people not to pirate games on the Nintendo Switch. In a lengthy Reddit post, uh, Skyers M, I think that's how you pronounce it, said people who do so will will quickly be detected by Nintendo's robust security measures and ban. Uh, Nintendo can deter whether or not or can detect whether or not the data on a Switch game card is legit, this solves the 3DS era issue of game card header data being shared between games, they said. Additionally, there's a fair amount of other unknown encrypted data in a certificate being uploaded, and certificates are also linked to Nintendo accounts. When gold points are redeemed, sharing of certificates should be fairly detectable, for Nintendo, this system works perfectly to prevent online piracy of digital games. So, what do you think about the old Nintendo cracking down on on piracy? Well, it, it's not really that surprising, to be honest. Um, I, I've always been a little leery of actually pirating games. Like emulators and ROMs to me are different. Yeah. But when you like mod your system, like I never modded my 360 or anything like that, just because I was always leery about what could possibly happen. So well, if anything, this, this just reaffirms that I would never pirate or hack my Switch. Yeah, I'm always scared to death I'm going to break something and then be out 400 bucks, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I uh, homebrewed my Wii, which is obviously like way old now, so it doesn't matter if they ban me from that one but uh it's it's a brilliant way to do that but obviously these new the new consoles they're just getting a little smarter about it yeah i think they for a long time were trying to stop people on the wii they would release updates that would pretty much kill kill your hack you know yeah um well, so I, they're know, just catching up with us i can see <laughs> you know uh, like hacking your old systems like a wii and wii u and stuff like that i don't really think they care too much about all that but anything new you know and nintendo's pretty mm-hmm. they're pretty bullish on uh stopping piracy and and 
Which is weird because they're they're bullish on piracy, but they kind of almost invite hacking because they put like little hidden messages and stuff everywhere inside the hardware and things like that. So that's kind of a juxtaposition, if you ask me. Yeah, if I were them, I would put little like trolling type messages hidden away <laughs> in the systems just, just just to have a little bit of fun, yeah. you know, with hackers. But you know, as I said. If anything, this reaffirms that I would never have my Switch hacked. Not that I would do it anyway, but you know, much like Nate said, with the newer consoles, they're getting a lot smarter with trying to prevent hacking. Yeah. Well, this next yeah. story I put in, especially for you, Derek, I thought you would get a kick out of this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a feeling that you did. Uh, this comes to us from the nextweb.com. Sega wants to crowdfund a Sonic the Hedgehog toaster. If I could afford to crowdfund it myself, I would totally do it. <laughs> I don't remember ever stumbling down the stairs for breakfast and thinking, this toast could really use a burned-in representation of a hedgehog on methamphetamine. But that's not to say you haven't. And if you have, you're in luck. Sega announced today on the official Sonic the Hedgehog Twitter account it would be crowdsourcing a brand-new project involving our favorite hedgehog, the blue one, in case you have a favorite hedgehog that's a different color. Uh, the project isn't a game, though. It's a toaster. You read that right. No need to adjust your screen. The toaster burns the center and edges of the bread, making it utterly useless if the goal is actually making toast. But if you're using it to, I don't know, impress a Tinder date, then it may just fit the bill. <laughs> See, if they're going to do this, they have to do the whole ensemble. They've got to do like a maybe a Dr. Robotnik um, like egg beater. Or some knuckles, you know, um, pancake maker or something like that. They they got to do the whole set. Like I I would get the whole thing. So this I, is, I, I don't know. This is what Sega's working on. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. They well, can't you know, even. They're busy making that new console, right? Oh no, they're not. Oh wait, <laughs> they can't even not get doing that. <laughs> they can't even make their own Genesis Mini consoles. You know, the Mega Drive Minis. They got to get at games to make it. Well, let's go work on a toaster. Like, really? <laughs> oh but a cool God. toaster. So yeah, it's a cool toaster. You know, it kind of makes me think that Sega's slightly moving the direction of Atari, but I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to sign, you know, give them a tombstone yet, but uh, it kind of makes me nervous. It's like they're farming their name off to the most random things and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. If I saw something like this on, like, Think Geek or something, I would be like, oh, this is cool. This will make a really cool gift for, like, Derek or something for Christmas. Oh, yeah. But really, like, Sega of America is crowdfunding, <laughs> making a freaking Sonic the Hedgehog toaster. Like, they don't have enough money. Like, are they that broke that they can't make, you know, a 50,000-unit run of a Sonic toaster? They have to crowdfund it. This doesn't bode well for getting anything Sega-branded within <laughs> the next, like, millennia. Yeah. It says here you can snag one for just the low price of thirty four ninety five. No thanks. And according to Sega, a thousand of these need to be sold before July twelfth, or they won't get made, and that would be a real shame. So, let's see. I get paid next week. So how many could I buy? I'm kidding. I'm, I'm well, not. Well, it looks it looks like they're up to six hundred sixty three sold. So you only need to buy like three hundred and some more. So. Well, they only have two, what, two and a half more weeks to get uh, another, what, three hundred and something toasters sold. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna need to get that Patreon started pretty quickly so yeah. I can buy the rest of these toasters. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I, uh, I I don't even know what else to say about this. This is so stupid. Uh, I I. I, I'm kind of exaggerating a bit, obviously, but I, I do honestly think the toaster is pretty cool. But I, I do agree. It's if it were another group, like if I saw this on, like you said, Think Geek or yeah. it just in some store, I'd be like, oh, this is cool. I might get one. But since Sega's actually doing it, um, maybe you guys should focus on actually making your own retro console. Yeah. 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 That's where I'm at with it. You know, like I love all the little Nintendo toys I can find and add-ons, but they're actually doing cool stuff on their own, you know, on top of that. So it's kind of, you know, let's get some cool base uh, Sega gear out there and then and then do the cool toys on top of that, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. at least do, like, some retro Sonic-style, like, T-shirts or something. Like, you know, that's, oh, you know, 20 bucks a piece 
with five dollars shipping and handling. I'd buy a Sonic shirt. I'm like, what? A toaster? Really? Like, <laughs> of, like, okay, let's you know, uh, a Sonic. Yeah. Oh, they could brand with um, Oral B and do a Sonic toothbrush. Hey now, Ooh. where's my money? Where's my marketing money, Sega? <laughs> Whoa. Let's go ahead and again. Move. If they made it, I would probably buy it. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. In June of 1992, graphics adventure Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis is released by LucasArts. Did either of you play this? I did not. I played a demo of it. So I always wanted this game. I was a huge Indiana Jones fan. So, But I had a really crappy PC back then, and I got a demo with one of those... <laughs> gaming magazines you know they used to hand out uh the magazine would come with a demo disc of like five games on there yeah and this was one of them on there and my computer couldn't quite handle it so it just never came to came into my possession by the time i got a decent pc so yeah i never played this um i, I think i'm we i think we talked about I'm, i remember us talking about this last year for mm-hmm. video game history and uh we talked about it because it used this yeah it used the scum engine that uh yeah that, Lucas Lucas Arts developed back then, which ran uh, uh, Monkey Island and um, what else? Uh, the Day of the Tentacle, like all those kind of games, like that, ran off the Scum engine. Yeah, I mean, I've looked into this game a lot. I mean, it's it's really, I mean, from it's I've watched a ton of videos on it because, like I said, I'm a huge Indiana Jones fan, and um, it's it's a really amazing game. They 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 really went all out on it, and the the sprite work and the animation and the the storytelling is really well done. I mean, it, it very well could have been like a movie, a movie script almost. It's yep, like yep. kind of that well put together. So might have actually been. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, it could have well, been. Yeah. It actually says here that the story was written by Hal Barwood and Noah Faustine, uh, who rejected the original plan to base it on an unused movie script. Mm-hmm. So it is a, an original story, but they actually were going to use like an unused Indiana Jones story for the game, which would have been kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Did definitely. you guys ever play the, the Indiana Jones game that came out for the X, for the original Xbox, um, mm-hmm. early two thousands. Was that the infernal machine? I believe. Let me, uh, Indiana. Or is that the one that was on Nintendo 64? That might be the one I'm thinking of. I played a little bit of that one. So I did not play it. <laughs> Let's see. Indiana Jones. Um, let me let me look it up on um, Google. It's, it's been a rough quick. go for Indiana Jones. Uh, he's not had a ton of really good video games. The I think uh, this one, you know, the game of the month one, uh, Fate uh, of Atlantis, I think was probably one of the best ones in most people's mm-hmm. opinions. It was, and then Indiana uh, Jones. the Super Nintendo trilogy was pretty good in my opinion. Um, Those were it's probably really not hard. perfect. Yeah, those were extremely hard, though. I tried to play yeah, very, that one not too hard. long ago. Uh, but the one I'm talking about is called Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb that came out for the yeah. Xbox. I remember it oh, being I remember really well done. It was done with the same engine as uh, they did the Buffy the Vampire games for Xbox because it was kind of the same look and same uh, like um, same kind of button scheme, like, uh, like attacks and all that kind of stuff. It was a really good game. If if you ever get a chance to play it, I highly recommend it. It got a seventy three percent on Metacritic right here. That's not bad. That's yeah. not bad. Wow, that's pretty really impressive. Good. Yeah. Uh, also, in June of nineteen ninety two, the arcade blockbuster Street Fighter II: The World Warrior, featuring eight diverse fighters, hit the home console with its release of Street Fighter II on the Super Famicom in Japan turning living rooms into proving grounds and siblings into rivals. Mm-hmm. It would see release on the SNES in North America that following July and in Europe in December of that same year. Great game. <laughs> yeah, I, I've played Street Fighter II Turbo on the, the SNES Classic, and that's been my my only delving into the Street Fighter universe. But, you know, I, I do really like it. And I, I wouldn't mind playing more of these games. I mean, it, I, we've talked about this before, but graphically and gameplay-wise, you know, from what I've seen of watching YouTube videos of this, these games really stand the test of time. Oh yeah, 
I mean, there's st- they still have Street Fighter Two tournaments, like you know, Super Nintendo tournaments <laughs> for Street Fighter Two. So that shows you how well these games were made, and and that graphic style, and it goes even to today. I say when you have a graphical style, like um, I think you know, Links, uh, the new Legend of Zelda game is going to hold up way longer than some of the other Zelda games like uh, Twilight Princess and stuff like that because it has that very kind of cartoony um, look to it, and it's going to hold up a lot better over the years. I mean, it just proves it. Street Fighter Two proves it right there. Well, yeah, and they just didn't they just release a 30th anniversary edition mm-hmm. on uh, the Switch, I yep. believe, or probably multiple systems, but uh, where they pack in all the different versions of the game, I think. so. That yeah. sounds right. And I played um, uh, the Street Fighter Two Turbo on the uh, SNES Mini not too long ago, and I I forgot how very few fighters there are in that game, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's no, uh, right. you know compared to some of the later versions and like the later Capcom fighting games, there isn't actually that many choices. It feels pretty limited, right. but it I mean it it plays really well. And back in the day, it was like you know it was the best thing in town pretty much yeah that when it, when street fighter 2 turbo came out especially my buddy had street fighter 2 and we you know we didn't know any better the arcade at the time you couldn't even pick um the boss characters um so we were like you know used to that so you only had eight fighters and then when street fighter 2 turbo came out it was just mind-blowing that you got these four extra characters that you could never access before Nowadays, though, 12 characters seems like nothing. You know, I mean, they pack like 30, 40 fighters in games yeah. now. So, well, hell, look at uh, uh, Smash Brothers is about to come out. It's got like, what, like 50, 60 characters <sighs> in it? Like, good lord, man. And they can keep adding more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little side note uh, the Street Fighter 30th anniversary collection did come out for the Switch. It came out in late May. It's got uh, 12 Street Fighter titles. They include Street Fighter 1, 2, 3, and the Alpha series. Wow. Nice. Yeah, but nobody wants to play Street Fighter 1. Let's face it. That game is no. awful. Bad, game. <laughs> bad, bad game. That game is terrible. <laughs> like, I, that, it's crazy how they went from Street Fighter 1, which was like just one of the most awful fighting games of uh-uh. all time, to Street Fighter 2 which they now have like 85 different versions and people are still having tournaments about it today. Like, that's just crazy to me. No, it is insane. I'm surprised it went on to a Street Fighter 2, to be honest. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How it even... It, it's kind of like Mega Man. Like, the first one was kind of a flop and they, they actually had to make Mega Man 2 and the team that made it made it in their off time because they liked it so much. <laughs> they didn't even get paid for it. They just made it because they wanted to. Um, let's go ahead and move into 1993. Uh, LucasArts releases Maniac Mansion 2, Day of the Tentacle, for the PC. Did you guys ever play the Maniac Mansion games? Um, I've heard of them, but never played them. I played the first one on the NES. That's a pretty good game. It's a lot of fun. It's it's similar to even like the point-and-click games from, from Lucas. Well, this is from LucasArts. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's it's a good game, so it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of exploration, point and click. Never played the sequel though, so yeah, can't I speak didn't, much to that one. I didn't play the sequel either. I just started a new game on Maniac Mansion for the NES because I haven't played it in good god, probably twenty five. Maybe wait, no, that would only make it nineteen ninety three. So probably <laughs> twenty, at least twenty nine years now that I've played haven't <laughs> played a Maniac Mansion game. So. We'll see how that goes. I might Me too. that. Yeah. So we'll I see. I liked how. all the, the, the goofiness that they packed into it. It was like not just a, it was like just, I don't even remember all the details. It's been so long. Like you said, it's been like 29, 30 years for me probably too. And they just packed all sorts of goofiness into the game and goofy characters. And yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going to be fun to go back and play it. So, I mean, I might stream it if I can, but problem is, is it's been so long. Like, I don't mind streaming a lot of games that I've continued playing throughout the years that I actually know how to play. But then there's stuff that I know I'm going to be horrible at that I'm not going to stream, <laughs> like the Battletoads. I'm like, I haven't played this game since 1991 or whenever it came out. 
And I know I was going to, I know I'm going to be terrible at it because even as a kid, I was awful at it. That's why I stopped playing it. I'm like, I'm not going to embarrass myself on, in, on Twitch by trying to play this hardest balls game. No, thank you. <laughs> I don't recommend it. Yep. Uh, moving on, also in June of 1993, Nintendo releases The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening for the Game Boy. It was the best-selling handheld game in the series. Did either of you guys ever play Link's Awakening? Uh, no, I did oh, what? No, actually, yes, I did for a bit. I actually bought that Game Boy that uh, Link's Awakening was the pack-in game for it. But like we've talked about before, Game Boy really wasn't my thing, so I really didn't play it too much. I, I love this game. It's one of my favorite Zelda games, to be honest. Um, it's uh, it's essentially a I don't, I don't know if it's a, I can't remember in the timeline if it's actually a true sequel to Link up, Link to the Past, but I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it they is. and it plays it plays just the same as Link to the Past, and I almost think it's got a like a better story to it and like more interesting um, dungeons and bosses and just the whole like idea of searching the island for these musical instruments was just i don't know i just had so so much fun playing it so um I pr- it probably helped that it came out in a, a summer that i went on a bunch of road trips with my family so yeah uh, i think i burned through quite a few batteries playing this game so <laughs> see that was the thing yeah, when, it... I, when you guys were kids you you went on family vacations my family didn't go anywhere so i didn't get that <laughs> that chance to play the handheld games when i was a kid no i mean you know, Nate summed it up perfectly, you know, that this game has and I think this is going to be a game that I'll probably review. Um, it, it might actually be my next one after uh, Battletoads. I, I'll have to think about that. But it, this game has its own unique charm to it because it doesn't take place in Hyrule. It's got interesting characters. There are a lot of little subplots in their own way. And it, it does follow that Zelda formula. But with it being in such a different environment, different atmosphere, different characters, mm-hmm. it was almost refreshing in a way. So I, I, this is one of the most underrated, I think, Zelda games in the entire franchise. Like I feel like maybe because it was for the Game Boy that it doesn't really give the credit it deserves. But, you know, I, I'd put it, you know, it's borderline top five favorite Zelda game for me. Yeah, it's me too. really, really good. You know, I've been, I wish they would remake it. So, in oh, color. I would love that. You know, I've been so. wanting to pull the trigger on a uh, a Super Game Boy for my Super Nintendo, so I can go back and play some of those old Game Boy titles that I missed. So, I might go ahead and do that because you go to the retro game store and you know they're just lousy with those uh, Super Game Boys. So, I might go ahead and pick one up just to have it. Since you love Link to the Past, you would love Link's Awakening. Yeah, it's a very very good game. Uh, well, I'd, I'd love to go back and play it. Like I just started another game of uh, Link to the Past not too long ago, and that game holds up like crazy, yeah. man. Good it's Lord. so good. Um, also in June of 1993, Electronic Arts releases Syndicate, an isometric real-time tactical game from Bullfrog Productions. It is the first title in the Syndicate series, an expansion pack Syndicate American Revolt a sequel, Syndicate Wars, and a reboot, Syndicate, have also been released. The original game and expansion pack were re-released together in 1996 as Syndicate Plus. Did you guys ever play Syndicate? I'll be honest, I've never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of fallen off the map, though. I think they did, like you said, they had one a little bit more recently come out. I played it back in the day, though. Um, it uh, It's a pretty cool game. Um, I was into Bullfrog games. Mm-hmm. I was really into Populous. Populous was one of my favorite games back then. Yeah. And um, the fact that it was Bullfrog, I think, is the reason I bought it. And it's pretty cool. It's, um, it's kind of like a cyberpunk-inspired tactical RTS-type game. And you control a party of four guys, and or up to four guys, and you move through a city and kind of clean it up. And there's a bit of strategy to it, and you have to kind of win over the 
the people in the city and they will like pay you taxes assuming you don't like overtax them and use that money to like build upgrades and do augmentation to your to your fighters and it's pretty cool i mean it's a pretty and the graphics were really cool back in the day it had a good isometric view so sounds like an early version of like xcom or something like that yeah yeah, yeah it's really very does. similar very similar to that game so hmm. um i didn't play a ton of xcom but i know it's very similar to that so wow well that's cool oh yeah, yeah. this this came out on a lot of platforms. I didn't know this. It's like on MS-DOS, Amiga, uh, the Mac, Sega Genesis, SNES, 3DO, Atari Jaguar. Like the, uh, I mean, pretty much anywhere. It was even on the Sega CD. Yeah, anywhere you could play a game, you could get these games. And I don't remember this at all. Yeah, it was it was really popular for a while there. But like I said, I think it kind of has fallen off the map. So One would say, it passed me by. That's for Wally. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Wally. <laughs> uh, and to close out this month in video game history, and it's a shame because it's not something between 1995 and 99 that I can't reference. So uh, on June 2nd, 1994, Surtech releases turn-based tactics game Jagged Alliance, the first installment of the Jagged Alliance series. I love This name the sounds vaguely familiar. Dude, have you guys? I never looked, played it. Have you guys looked at the cover for this yet? Oh my lord! It looks like total eighties cheese. Oh, I love every minute of it. <laughs> I love everything about this. I love the font. I love the oh, color. I love all of it. That is great. Like I would, if this was a VHS tape, I would have so picked this off the shelf. <laughs> it looks like a VHS. Tape. <laughs> it does. Yeah, totally. This is yeah, it's a, well, it's a well-regarded game. I mean, it's reviewed very well. I never played it back in the day. Um, I know it's from the same company that did Wizardry, though, which Wizardry is probably one that we more, maybe more uh, have heard of that one a little more frequently, um, but never had the chance to try it. So, Dude, look at this guy with the mustache in the background that's got like the, uh, the, the machine gun on his shoulder. He looks like a, if Arnold Schwarzenegger and Hulk Hogan had a baby. Uh, I I would love to do an Arnold impression while doing a Hulk Hogan catchphrase, but I cannot. I'm not uh, even gonna see. try it. <laughs> Say your prayers. Eat your vitamins. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what you gonna do? Perfect. When the Hulkamania runs wild on you. Nice. Uh, that's too good. Oh, and uh, Retro Game Brew says that uh, Zelda Link's Awakening is in his top three Zelda games of all time. I wouldn't really argue that. Nope. Hmm. I would not argue that at all. Yeah, I think I'll do that. I, that's probably what I'm going to get. I'll go ahead and get a, uh, a Super Game Boy and pick up Link's Awakening. I, you know what? I wonder if my Game Boy is still in my mom's house somewhere. <laughs> hmm. With that game, because that was the only game I had for it. Well, I think um, I think I'm actually I might pull the trigger on that. Like my next review after Battletoads will be Link's Awakening. Yeah, I think I might go ahead and do Maniac Mansion then for my next one after this. I got to do something that's a little less uh, anxiety inducing. <laughs> I'm getting um, old. I you can't and me both. <laughs> but Derek, we're about to go into our review for tonight, so please tell everybody. How they can get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial from Audible. Please. Absolutely. So for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And I actually had a book recommended to me by one of our listeners, Mr. Sean White. He reached out to me on Facebook. And I'll read this real quick. He said, hey, man, enjoy the Nerd Cave Retro Show you and Jason do. I've been collecting for five years now, so the content you guys put out is right up my alley. I actually found out about Audible through Nerd Cave Retro and why I'm messaging you from one fellow gamer to another. I think you would enjoy this audiobook." And the book that he sent me is called Masters of Doom by David Kushner. Uh, it's narrated by Will Wheaton. Um, I've Will. actually... Will Wheaton. Wheaton. I've actually I've downloaded it. I've started it, and hopefully, uh, two episodes from now, I, I will have uh, a nice review of this book. So, 
Thank you, Sean, for the awesome recommendation. But Audible's got a ton of books. They have gaming books. You know, they have World of Warcraft, Gears of War, Mass Effect, Halo. Uh, if you're a romantic, they have romance novels. They have mystery, uh, fiction, nonfiction, sci-fi, any genre you can think of. There's no excuse for you not to have Audible because they have everything. And whether it's, you know, a 20-minute commute to and from work or if you've got a road trip, uh, it's a great service to have to be able to continue to read without having to sit down and actually read a physical book because a lot of us don't have time to do that. Cough myself, cough. Uh, to download uh, your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook download and free 30-day trial. And tonight we're going to be talking about... talking about Battletoads this evening, kids. It is a video game by Rare that began with the original beat-em-up game Battletoads in 1991, starring three anthropomorphic toads named after skin conditions, rash, zits, and pimple. The series was created to rival the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games. Oh, who who, who wouldn't have guessed that? Uh, The series as a whole has been quite popular with five installments up to this date and at its apex spawned an animated television pilot, which failed miserably. Uh, The initial Battletoads game for the NES was renowned for its difficulty, but also received a cult following and spawned sequels for various platforms, including crossover with the Double Dragon series. In each game, the objective is to defeat the Toad's nemesis, the Dark Queen, and her army of space Mutant. So I have been playing the original NES game over the last week or so. I'm just going to say, I don't think I've ever played a game that has been more rage-inducing in me (laughs) than playing this game. I can't even do a proper full review of the game, because guess what? I can't get past the third level. I can't do it. I think I did it one time. When I was a kid, I think I got past it one time when I was a kid. And then I just stopped playing this game back then. And now I remember why I stopped playing it. This game is too goddamn ridiculously hard to play. And I don't know what they were thinking. Because look, the first level's great. Like, just the whole side-scrolling, you know, beat just straight-up beat-em-up. The controls are awesome. Like, the final boss fight's cool, where you have to do kind of like a reverse first-person view thing, where you're throwing the rock at the screen of the, the whatever the big thing is that's shooting at you. Then you go down, you know, a mile-long hole, where you gotta defeat, you know, various birds and, like, machines that are trying to, to clip your, your rope as you go down the hole. But then you get to the third level, which is you do a couple of platforms where you beat up a couple of enemies, which look like uh, evil um, uh, Chuck E. Cheese's, and then you get on your hover bike, and that all fall- goes to crap from there. Like, I can't get any further than that. So, Nate, I know you've been playing it. What is your take on Battletoads for the NES? Well, so when you invited me on the show and said it was going to be for the <clears throat> Battletoads review, I thought I better play it again because I haven't played it since I was a kid. And I remember we liked it a lot. We rented it multiple times. You know, it was, you know, most games we would rent it one time and you'd either like love it and like go buy it. Yeah. Or you would just hate it and never think of it again. Well, no, but I know I, I rent. I straight up bought this thing because I was hyped for it because of Nintendo Power. So thank they you, Nintendo. <laughs> They did hype it good. But yeah, so yeah, I know I rented it a couple times because we always had such a good time playing like the first two levels. The first Mm -hmm. two levels are like perfect. Like you said, the controls are great. The graphics are great. I mean, for the Nintendo at the time, of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, The the music is like rocking. And um, but then you get to, like you said, level three and like everything goes to hell. And um, they just uh, I, I like I said, I played it. I played it the last two nights on stream, and 
I couldn't get past level three, just the same as you. I got I got stuck there, and I was I think I was getting close, almost, but it was about my twentieth try, <laughs> and I was like, I'm an hour and a half into a stream, and I've mm-hmm. been stuck on this same stage. I'm I gotta call it, you know. I mean, so. you would think that third level, like that's normally like the the difficulty of that level is akin to you know the final level of like. Uh, Ninja Gaiden or you know something along those lines like it's so ridiculously hard like that should be like the final level of the game not the third I agree entirely so what about you Derek did you get to play it at all (laughs) I did watch uh, as far as the NES game I did not but I did watch um, I've watched some gameplay over the last couple of days and I've specifically paid attention to this you know third level that everyone was talking about and i watched it and i was like nope not (laughs) not gonna happen just i i will say the the boss fight you were talking about where it's almost like a an a skewed first person view something similar was done with um turtles in time for the super nintendo when you fought the shredder Mm -hmm. in level one when you're in the technodrome and I, I instantly had flashbacks to that. So, um, I, you know, I I remember hearing about Battletoads back in the day, and I, I always thought, you know, I thought it was not a knockoff, but similar to the Ninja yeah. Turtles, but never, <laughs> never got into into the game. But I do remember reading about how insanely difficult it was. Well, and the thing is, it's not difficult because of like broken controls. Or anything like that. Like, the controls are great. Like, the gameplay plays great. It's just, it's way too hard. And I don't have, I didn't even have the reflexes as a child to be able to get through this level. Like, it's just, the difficulty is just ramped up way too high for this thing. Like, I don't know who programmed this game originally, but I'd like to get them on the show and be like... (laughs) What was wrong with you, really? Yeah, they 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 really went over the top. So, but like you yeah. said, that should be like the last level or towards the end, maybe the last two levels of that. But uh, so I did a, I did break a rule of mine last night on stream, and I because I was so frustrated, I I went and found some game genie codes, and I skipped <laughs> level three. Oh man, and, and <laughs> I didn't even think you know of that. what level four is. Uh, it is nearly as rage-inducing as level really? three. Not quite. I didn't beat it, um, but I was I was already frustrated at that point. But it doesn't get any easier. I skipped to level four. I skipped to level five. They're all super hard after that. It's it's um, it's one of those things. I know if I had like months of time to like invest in learning all of the very specific tricks to every level, I could probably eventually beat it. But it's it's crazy. You know, about a, I guess it's been about a year or two ago, I I used to watch um, a lot of the James and Mike Mondays streams that they would do. And I, I, they did Battletoads, like it was about a year or so ago. And, you know, they actually did, I don't remember if they finished the game or not, or they might have gotten to like the last level or something like that. And they were both just like in a rage by the time they got to the end of it because, you know, they were switching off trying to get to the end of this game and like that that's the last time I really thought about this game until they announced it like last week um you know they're doing a, a new version of it I guess coming up in the next couple of years from rare for the Xbox 360 or not 360 but the Xbox one and uh you know I I got to thinking a lot about this game and there's a lot of you know, nostalgia and stuff for this game. It's got its cult following and all that kind of stuff. But it kind of made me think about, do you think this game is popular because of the notorious difficulty that it had back in the day? Or do you think that it got a pass because it looked so good? Because this is a really good looking game. And like I said, the game looks great. It controls great. It's just, you have to have ninja-like reflexes to be able to play this game all the way through. So what do you think the nostalgia factor for this game is? Because I can guarantee you 99 out of 100 kids who 
got this game for Christmas or saved up their lawn cutting money to buy this game, you know, 99 out of 100 didn't even get past that third level. I guarantee you, maybe one kid out of 100 actually played this game all the way to the end. So what do you think that nostalgia factor, What what is the factor of that nostalgia factor? I'll let Nick go first. Well, I, you know, the thing is, I, I was thinking about it too, much like you. Um, it's it's kind of a, when you actually get down to the game itself, it's a pretty generic, like, totally like 90s, you know, attitude type thing. You know, it's yeah. got mutant frogs and their names are Pim- Pimple and Zits and Rash. You know, it's, it's totally that 90s tude thing. So I'm surprised that people remember it quite so favorably, but... I think I think it is probably a lot to do with at least the people that played it on the NES um, is that it was so dang difficult. It like was out of the blue. It was you're you're cruising along having like the best time in the world on level one and two, and then all of a sudden you are slapped in the face. Yeah. And I got to imagine that there's many people out there who they might not even remember it, but like I don't know. It for me, I went back and played it, and I started playing. I'm like this game is so great why do so many people hate it and then i get to level three and things go south so i think many people just had this like this memory burned into their brains of how hard it was and it's probably a lot to do with it in my opinion so Uh, joey image is in the chat room hello joey and uh he said there is a 12 minute battletoad speed run on youtube i have to watch this oh my god there's no way like you have to be that's got to be a computer or something that, that could beat this game in 12 minutes. Yeah, it can't be real. <laughs> yeah. It can't be. But, I but I, do think, I do think they did eventually. I, I, the later versions that came out, I do think they, they turned the, the difficulty down a little bit. I don't think, um, and I didn't play any of the other games, so I can't speak to this, but I was reading that, like, I think the Genesis and the Super Nintendo versions, I think they, I think they toned it down a little bit. Um, I don't know if it was, they might still be really difficult, but I don't think they went quite as insane on them. So that might help too. So, you know, the first experience might've been bad, but if you like liked it enough, you might've tried the Genesis one and maybe had not quite such a bad experience with it. So, (laughs) well, that's the thing. Like the reason I remember this game so well is because it was pushed by Nintendo power really hard Mm -hmm. for a while. Mm -hmm. And they were pumping this game up for, at least four or five issues. And then they did the big Battletoads issue where, you know, they had like levels one through five completely mapped out in, in the magazine and everything. And I rushed out and I got used my lawn cutting money to buy Battletoads and just being so, you know, playing that first level. And I'm just like, wow, this game looks great. It plays great. You get through the second level and you're like, okay, that was a little more difficult, but you know, we're getting through this. And then you get to that third level and it's just like, it's impossible. Like you, like you said, Nate, it's like getting slapped in the face and (laughs) you're so frustrated because you only get three, you know, three continues or three lives and once you're done, you got to start the whole game over again. And I, there was no way to get through that game without, you know, some sort of unlimited continues or something like that. Like, I don't know why they didn't give you... Un- that would have helped a lot, I think, if they would have given you unlimited continues to get through the game. Yeah. I think, to me, one of the reasons why, and this is coming from someone who didn't really grow up playing the game... But it came out in a time where you had the Ninja Turtles, you had Sonic, and you had other, you know, anthropomorphic, you know, walking, talking animal creatures. So I think the appeal of that, I think, is one reason why it's, I don't know if I would go as far as to say it stood the test of time, but it's obviously still at least relevant enough for them to make a new game. It's coming out soon. So I, I think... In addition to its legendary difficulty, I think because of what it is and the time that it came out in really has a lot to do with why people still recognize Battletoads. Well, I remember it being one of the the last games that I got for the Nintendo before the Super Nintendo came out. 
And I just remember being so excited for the Super Nintendo because, you know, it's got better graphics and better sound and everything. And then Battletoads was like, it pushed the Nintendo to the limit. Like the original NES hardware was like, that was the best you could look on that system, I think. I mean, it's up there. As hard as the game is, I think it is probably one of the best-looking games for the Nintendo. It's just it's hard as crap, and you can't play it. Yeah. It's unplayable. Yeah, yeah they, had some, they had some really good art in there. So, like, you'd have these... Uh, uh, if you haven't watched it, those, um, you'd have a special attack. So you'd, like, punch, 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 normal punch, and then all of a sudden your hand would turn into this giant animated, yeah. like, fist that would, like, knock the guys across the screen, and it, like, had this really like nice crunching crack sound and um you know and they they also brought in some other stuff and i don't know if it was inspired by um golden axe but they even have like rideable mounts in the first level that like immediately made me think of like golden axe when i played it again uh the the other night and um it's it's like they brought in all these really great elements they like brought in you know brought everything together to like make this like perfect beat-em-up game and they kind of messed up on uh, the pacing of it, I guess. So Yeah. Well, I'm looking at the uh, video that um, Joey Image pasted into the chat room, and it's from uh, a YouTube channel by The Mexican Runner, and it was just published on May 10th, 2018. World record speed run, 12 minutes, 42.4 seconds. I'm watching this when we're done tonight because I don't know how you do that game in 12 minutes. That sounds legendary. Oh yeah, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't believe it. I gotta, I gotta see it to believe it. You Let's, know what? You know what's funny about it? I'm looking at it too the description. He says, uh, "I am not very satisf- satisfied with sloppy mistakes here and there." <laughs> <laughs> really? What? <laughs> 12 minutes? That's pretty insane. I don't, yeah. I don't think there's anything sloppy there. No, I mean, I like I. I don't even feel comfortable giving this game like a number, you know, uh, uh, like out of ten. I don't even feel comfortable giving it a rating because I can't even play the game. Really, I mean, I play the first three <laughs> levels. Like, how am I supposed to give it a, a grade? I mean, it's a cool, it's a cool game to have for your collection. I I, I say if you're a Nintendo collector. You know, or you you come across it at, at somewhere in really nice condition, or even like I would love to have this a, a complete in box copy of this because the the art, you know, the box looks great. Like the uh, the art, mm-hmm. uh, the game art looks great. I mean, it's not something I'm gonna play ever. Like I'm not. This isn't one of those games. I, and that's the thing. As hard as Ninja Gaiden is, and I've never been able to defeat the final boss. I can get to the final boss. I just can't defeat him. But there's something about that game that has intrigued me for 30-something years that I'll keep playing it until I defeat it before I die. But I have fun playing that game because it's so fast-paced and, like, you know, you learn all the little tricks and secrets. That, and, you know, you watch some of the speedrunners and you learn how to do some of the tricks that they do. And it's really fun to do. But a game like this that there's just... I, I, I don't know. I don't have fun being punched in the face with difficulty basically i like to be you know massage me into the difficulty like give give Mm -hmm. me a little bit of easy levels first like ease me into the difficulty and that's exactly what ninja gaiden did perfectly each level was a little bit more ramped up than than the last level until you're at a fever pitch where you're just like I can't tell what's going on and then but like <laughs> Battletoads is like right there as soon as you start the game it's like smacking you in the face with difficulty and I just I don't like it I don't like it yeah Ninja Gaiden they they at least made you feel like you had a chance so. yeah yeah. Wow, Joey Image says it's a complete in-box copy of the Battletoads and Double Dragon game on eBay for $900. Jesus. <laughs> no thanks. No thanks. I'll pay for that with a big old bag of nope. Yeah, no thank you. <laughs> but I, I'm oh. not even going to give it a, a grade. I'm not going to give it a ranking. If you want to get the game, get it, but know what you're getting into. If you've never played Battletoads before, it's rough. It's way too rough unless you are 
the you know more like that speedrunner guy that pro- that guy probably played that game every day of his life for like 20 years to get that fast at it that's the only way you're ever going to defeat this game is to play it every single day of your life until you are like a machine <laughs> playing it so if i were to ask you what you rank this on a scale of 1 to 10 your answer would be yes yes <laughs> there's a scale and there are numbers on it yes <laughs> yeah that's about right oh, so, man. that's all I gotta say about it unless you guys got anything else you wanna ask about it or you know Nate if you have anything any parting words for Battletoads well I, I am I am I'm, I have this uh, speed run up in the background and I'm noticing that he used a bunch of warps so I think the game has uh, and, and it's coming back to me now that I do There's remember warps. these it has some warp zones or warp uh ways to warp ahead kind of like mario brothers did really so that might be part of his success so hmm. um i think i think he managed to skip past the speeder bike level pretty quickly with a warp so and we'll no have to keep that in mind that. when i play it again hmm. i might have i might have to play it one more time if now <laughs> that i know there's actual warp zones that would have been helpful you know, yeah, right. Rare. Thanks. <laughs> Let us know. You know, put some green pipes in next time. Let us know there's warps around. Jeez, Lord. <laughs> oh man. But that's Derek, all I got on it, though. Derek, anything else you want to throw in before before we get out of here tonight? Uh, I'll I'll save my Battletoad thoughts for next week. Awesome. I can't <laughs> wait to hear what you're going to say about that game. Oh, geez. Oh, boy. Well, Nate, thank you for coming on the show again, man. It's been great having you Yeah, absolutely. You thank you for having me on. This was this was a lot of fun, and uh, you know, I really appreciate that you guys would give me a chance to come on and be part of one of my favorite podcasts. So. Yeah, and I definitely wanted to give you a chance to, to push your, uh, your Twitch channel. Because you do some yeah. really good videos, especially on YouTube and stuff like that. So if you haven't checked out Nate at Retro Gaming Dev, please do. He's on Twitter. He's on Twitch. He's on YouTube. Anywhere else that you'd like for people to follow you at? No, that's that's about it. If you get me on Twitter and those other channels, you'll you'll pretty much see most of what I'm what's, what I'm doing out there. So that's 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 pretty awesome. So thank awesome. you so much. Oh, thank you're you. very welcome. Uh, no, we'll have to thank do this you. again very soon. So, Derek, what you got coming up for the Derek Diamond experience this week? So, this past Friday, I got to do a, a special Facebook Live episode uh, with a couple of local filmmakers here in Pensacola. Uh, if you want to check out the video version, that's on uh, my Facebook page at facebook.com slash Podcast, And the audio version will be available this Thursday on iTunes, Spotify, and all podcasting platforms. And if you want to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram, just go to at D Diamond Podcast. New episodes come out every Thursday on all podcasting platforms. And for the Pop Culture Palette, we just released a, probably one of my favorite episodes we've done in a while. I haven't laughed. It was this really hard. good. <laughs> I haven't laughed that hard in a while. And I, you know, went into a, uh, a fake nerd rage, which I hope everybody <laughs> understands that I only have like, I'm only like, serious like 10 percent of what you know when i go into a nerd rage so uh it's actually episode 180 and it's entitled 48 inches to ride so if you're interested in the pop culture palette head over to pcpradio.com or at pcp show on twitter we also have a patreon if you are a pcp show listener and you would like to help us out Go over there to that Patreon at patreon.com slash show, And me and Derek have to talk about doing one for the Nerd Cave Retro here. We keep talking about it, and we never do it. We need to do it. Yes. Do it. I I will say, as someone who's listened to the Pop Culture Palette since almost the beginning, that was one of my favorite episodes you guys have done. I was... I was actually laughing out loud at yeah. multiple times throughout the episode, especially the the whole Robin Hood uh, oh, song, yeah. like the, the Disney movie, which I, I <laughs> use to troll people all the time. Oh, it's tro- so good. I troll my wife daily with that song. She hates it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably going to be in the divorce papers one day. She's like, why are you getting divorced? Because he keeps singing that stupid Robin Hood song all the time. <laughs> Dude, 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 dude. <laughs> <laughs> Robin Hood, little guy walking through the forest. 
Oh, she hates it when I do that. <laughs> uh, but guys, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Let me go ahead and play this music here and walk us out the door. If you would like... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Before I do that, I forgot. We got some listener email. I almost forgot. Let me let me put a little bit of music here. Let me find something, something nice here. Oh, yeah, there we go. Uh, this comes from Derek Bryant on Facebook. He says, I have to tell you that what Battletoads means to me. I played NES music for my son when he was in the womb. The Battletoads theme got the most reaction. After he was born, the theme song still got the most reaction. So for his first birthday, we threw him a Battletoads party. He is two now and still loves the theme. And he sent us some pictures. And uh, I, I'm, I forgot to ask him if he'd let us post them on the actual Nerd Cave page. But it's like he's got his little son there. And he's got like this green cake with the, the Battletoads uh, logo and stuff on it. It's awesome. So I told him, I was like, you're the best dad ever. And he's got a fantastic name, too. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that's that's pretty cool, man. Like, I, Yeah, absolutely. Who plays Battletoads music <laughs> for their kids? Like, that's, uh, must have loved the game then. Yeah. So. That's more, awesome. More power to you if you love that game. So, <laughs> wow. But yeah, Derek Bryant's uh, been a listener for a while. He always uh, sends us cool stuff on on Facebook. So thank you, Derek, and uh, send us more stuff and cool, cool, funny pictures like that. Uh, but yeah, let me go ahead and I'll go ahead and play this here. And now we're leaving. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro, at jfunktastic, at Derek underscore diamond. Follow Nate at, at retrogamingdev. And we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about excuse me princess <laughs> <laughs> Listening to a Nerd Cave Network production. <laughs>